Hey, happy Mother's Day to you all. Maybe it won't be the last, but I wasn't the first. Okay? So, happy Mother's Day. And um, as Dave alluded to, you know, there are some moms in our congregation who have lost children. And sometimes Mother's Day is a hard day. And um, just show compassion and love. There are some mothers who their sons or daughters have walked away from the Lord, and that makes it a hard, hard day. But the, I, the office or the designation of mom is an honorable thing, let me tell you. Um, I love moms. I really do. Uh, all right, so how many of you were reading your Bible today in Mark this week? How many of you are catching up this morning? Oh my gosh, you're supposed to read chapters 4 through 6. Let's read it real quick. Hey, it's okay. It all works. But we read Mark 4 through Mark 6 this week. And there is some crazy stuff in there. Can I tell you? Crazy stuff. So we're going we're gonna to dive into it. And we're not going to get to Mark 6. Dave. So you could you could have done that and you wouldn't have stepped on any toes. So we're just gonna do a little bit of four and a little bit of five. So turn to that. But let me let me start with another passage of scripture that's not found in Mark. It's found in Luke. Now, in the book of Luke, after Luke gets to the whole story of Jesus and his um, genealogy and the the idea of how it came about with Joseph and Mary and, and Elizabeth and, and, and John and all of that. When you get to chapter 4 of Luke, in, in Bible class, in theology class, we learned that in Luke chapter 4, there is a um, programmatic or a uh, mission statement of Jesus. And I want us to read that. And it, it, from the time that Jesus utters these words, he does the very things that he said he's going to do in Luke chapter 4. Let me show you. Here we go. Starting in Luke chapter 4, verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He goes, he reads the scroll, and he says, this has been fulfilled. And Jesus does that for the rest of his ministry. He does all of these things. Okay, now we go to Mark, and last week Jeremy did an amazing job talking about the introduction and the fast pace with which Mark talks about Jesus. He goes boom, 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 boom. There's no, it's the same thing happened this week. Jesus was going boom, 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 boom. But we, I want to go back to Mark chapter 2, and there is a mission statement, a programmatic statement of Jesus that Mark sees is instrumental, and he must write it early on. 
so that you can figure out what Jesus is doing here on this earth. And that is found in Mark chapter 2, verses 5 through 12. And this is the story of the of the, the faith of friends that dig through the roof and they lower their friend down the paralytic, okay? Chapter, verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Look at verse 10. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. They praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Did you catch the problematic statement? The mission statement of Jesus. He does miracles to show that he is the son of man. That he has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Which is the bigger problem than being a paralytic. This is a paralyzed man. And Jesus' first thing, he takes first things first. He says, your sins are forgiven. Because that's the most pressing need of the paralytic. Other than being paralyzed. And that Jesus' whole ministry the rest of the time. Is doing miracles in multiple ways to show that he has authority of things. And so then when we get to chapters 4 through 6, Mark is showing that Jesus has authority over any situation, any time. He's teaching. He's calming the wind and waves. He's delivering demon-possessed. He's healing a sick woman. He's raising a dead girl to life. He's thriving through unbelief in his hometown. He's sending his disciples out. And he feeds 5,000 men with five loaves and two fishes. All right, so before I read Mark 4.35 and continuing on... To chapter 5 verse 20 I want to show you a couple of maps if you don't mind so you know what we're doing by the way every once in a while I think those that made the designation of chapters and scripture in verses missed it I mean I, I do I think 419 to 520 should have been one big pericope one big Time, because I think Mark saw it is one complete time. They're on the lake. They go from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake. All right. Just so you know, chapters and verses is not divine. This were done by men later on to help us find scripture, which is great because I could tell you go to Mark 35 and you know where to go. Go to the middle section about the 
fourth or fifth paragraph. And, wow, forget it. Now we have these. These are awesome things, but they're not divine. So let's look at these. Let's look at a couple of maps here, if you don't mind. I'll go into teacher mode here. Okay, this is the Mediterranean Sea. So this is the main part of where the Jews are living now during the Roman times. Right down here, about where S is, is Jerusalem, okay? But this is the, the northern region. This is Galilee. And you see Nazareth. This is Jesus' hometown. He spends a lot of time in Capernaum during his ministry at the beginning here. And this is the Sea of Galilee. This is a big body of water. A lot of, a lot of these um, towns, their main agriculture was harvesting of fish. These were fishermen. So when Jesus goes and he starts getting dis- collecting disciples and he starts bringing people, hey, come and follow me, naturally some of them are fishermen because this is the area where they have fishermen. So you have all these little ports here. Now, notice this over here. This is the Decapolis, which means ten cities. Okay? But it's in Greek. It's not a Hebrew name. Decapolis, ten cities in Greek. Because this ten cities were where a bunch of non-Jews are living on the other side of the river. Okay? That's important to know in our story today, in our narrative today. Let's go to the next map. So, in chapter 4, we have Jesus somewhere along here, and people are following him. They're all gathering in groups. They're, they're, they're charging all over to find him because they want to they have people healed. They want to hear his message. And he actually gets so busy that he gets out on a boat and preaches from them, probably somewhere around here. And then it says, Jesus says, let's go to the other side. If they're generally here around the Jewish thing, they go this way. And Mark identifies this area where they end up over here in the Gerasenes right here. Now, just but right below here is a cliff still to this day. And um, a, a graveyard where there's tombstones and caves and right here. It's just right by where the Decapolis runs into. This is important to see. Okay? Because the story we're going to read, Jesus goes from here. They get in trouble in the middle of the lake, sea, and then they end up somewhere over here. Got it? All right. Let's read. Now you can picture it and see it. Starting in verse 35. That day when evening came, He said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and waves broke over the boat, said it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have such little faith or no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, 
Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. We've read this so many times that we don't realize what an amazing thing this is. Especially the last week. How many of you have been like, oh my gosh, this wind is terrible. How many of you have allergies because of these winds? Picked up everything. Oh my gosh, doesn't matter if you're allergic to something that's on the south side of Albuquerque. It's going to get to you on the north side because all the wind blowing everywhere. What happens? I'd love to have gone out and just said, wind, be still. And then stopped. Okay, get back. Everybody be like, what? Oh my gosh, this is crazy. This is what happened in the middle of the sea. And notice how they approached Jesus who was sleeping in the back of the boat, not worrying about anything. They said, teacher, rabbi, good guy who tells us good things. Okay. But then he shows them that he is more than just a teacher. He has the power over nature. He has authority over the weather and the water and the waves and the wind. Soon he'll be walking on the water. Wait, what? Mark is trying to drive this home. Jesus, not only is he a good teacher, but he has authority over things. Because he is the son of man. Which is the designation, which Jeremy told you last week, which is the designation to a Messiah. Okay? Continuing on. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High, God In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. 
Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. What an amazing story of this. Jesus After he calms the storm, they go over to the other side. And as Jesus gets to the side, a man who had been unruly, they tried to subdue him. They could not keep him down. He goes to the beach and he confronts Jesus and he gets on his knees. Is he worshiping? No, 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 no. He's pleading For mercy. He meaning they. Because when Jesus asks them a name, it's a demon who answers. Legion. For we are many. This man had been possessed by multiple demons. And he... He addresses Jesus with a title. A title that no one else, certainly not the disciples, could see who Jesus was. He saw Jesus for who he actually was. Jesus, son of the most high God. That's a title. That is a title addressed from someone who is under his authority. So Mark is showing that Jesus, not only does he have the authority over nature, he has the authority over all demonic beings. And they beg him to not be sent to the abyss which is the place where the the demonic forces are sent until judgment. They beg him not to do that. Send us into the pigs. Another reason why we know it is on the east side, because that's where the pigs were, because that's where the Greeks were, because Jews wouldn't have pigs. Got it? And so what does he do? When he gives them permission to go to the pigs, the pigs immediately... Good term in Mark, go off the cliff and drowned. Why? Because demonic forces, Satan, is a destroyer. All they want to do is destroy. She just said, He steals, kills, destroys. So the pigs were toast. As soon as the demons went into them. Well, they were ham, I guess the case may be. They were bacon. He was begging, they were bacon. (laughs) 
Okay, sorry, dad joke. All right. So they are destroyed because that's exactly what Satan wants to do with anything and everything in your life. I mean, sure, he doesn't say that because he's also a liar. He makes it look good and he ends up destroying you. And then Jesus does something amazing that he has not done in all of the book of Mark. The poor chap that has now been released of all of the demons. Guess what he wants? He wants to follow Jesus. I'll go with you. Let's go. I'm all about it. God's done an amazing thing for me. And Jesus says, no. I want you to go back to your hometown and tell everybody what God has done for you. That's the exact opposite of what Jesus has told anybody's healed before. He's like, don't tell anybody. Now, everybody tells him anyway, and so that's why he can't walk around, because some people are like, heal me, heal me. But with, with this poor sap running around the tombs, he tells him, go home and tell people. And it says that he did. He told everybody. What's the difference? Why did, he, why did he, Jesus allow him to do it and not the Jews? That's just it. The people that he healed that were Jews, he, he knew that if, if his word got out that he was Messiah quickly, that his ministry would be cut short. It was already cut short. And that it would force his hand. But this man probably was a Greek. Isn't it interesting that Mark, whose main message was to Roman Gentile Christians, highlights this pericope, this story of Jesus. This is the very first time Gentiles heard the story of what God had done for a man who was possessed by thousands of demons and with the word of his mouth, He was cleared of all of them. Now that's power. And if you look at this pericope from the storm with the sea and the waves and the the tombs and the demon-possessed guy, the result of the people around, whether it be the disciples in the boat or the people of the town, was fear. They realized that there was someone here super powerful, super holy, that he could be God. And they asked him to leave. They pleaded with him to leave. The disciples like, we're scared now. First they were scared because of the waves, and then Jesus calms the waves, and then they're scared of him. Because it, was, it became real. It became real. Who is this man who can steal the storms and kick the demons out of people? Guys, I got some good news for you. The Jesus that we find in Mark 4 and Mark 5, is the Jesus that we serve today. He has the authority over everything. So why do we fear? Why do we anxious when we have 
Jesus in us. We need to start acting like we have the big kahuna on our side. We have the Messiah on our side. Stop. Okay. We're almost done. Guys, we need to start living like confident human beings that have the God of the universe living inside of us for us to be bold, loving, and peaceful. Sometimes I'm not any of those. I'm not bold. I don't have a lot of love for people. And I'm miserably anxious about things. That, my friends, is not living a life of faith. We need to live a life of faith. I had someone come to me and say, Oh, I'm scared I'm going to get demon possessed. I said, Are you a Christian? He goes, Yes. I said, They're not going to hang with you. If you have Jesus living inside you, no demon will be willing to saddle up next to Jesus. Because they're scared of him. Because Jesus has the authority over them. We need to start living like it. We need to start trusting what the word of God says in our lives. And when we do, that peace that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Man, that should be a verse. Oh, wait, it is. See Philippians 4. Doesn't this sound good? How many of you serve a God that is this authoritative over everything? How many of you know that he lives in your heart? Are you guys smiling? Come on, this is good news. All right, stand up. How long must I stand with you guys? No, just kidding. Father God, we come before you. Thank you so much for your gift of Jesus. Thank you so much for the life that you have given us. Lord, help us to step into the destiny that you have for us. The good works that you have planned before the foundations of the earth to bring you the glory, to bring you the people that need to know who you are, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to do that. Help us to give your name glory. Help us that at the end of our days, we will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Help us, Lord, to do that. We cry out to you because we need you today and every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.